Take your copy of God's Word this morning and be finding the book of Acts. And in your bulletin, there was an insert I want you to find that looks like this. If you'd find that as well, we're going to make reference to that in just a little bit as we're going through our message today. As you find that and find Acts chapter 1. And I want you to think about a word. And that word is the word evangelism. Evangelism. Think about that word for a moment. Evangelism. Now don't answer out loud or tell your neighbor, but what comes to your mind when you hear the word evangelism? Simply put, evangelism is sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ with another person or a group of people. Back in 2010, I attended a three-day conference that was put on by our Baptist State Convention. And that three-day conference dealt entirely with the idea of evangelism. It was called the Intentionally Evangelistic Church Strategy. And at one point in that uh, particular seminar and conference, we were talking about uh, personal evangelism. And as they were talking about personal evangelism, that is a person sharing the gospel with another person, They share with us what they call Dr. Sullivan's four groups. Dr. Sullivan's four groups is what they called it. And uh, we had those fill in the blank workbooks. You ever go to a conference or whatever and they have to fill in the blanks? And and that's great. And you, you try to make sure you fill in the blanks. We do that sometimes on Wednesday nights. But I found out when I went back to look at my notes that there's one disadvantage to those fill in the blank books. And that is the notes are very sparse at times. Because you fill in the word and, and you, you move on. And so I had to really think hard about what was all involved in these four groups. And so I'm going to bring this from memory the best I can, these four groups. And if I'm wrong, you don't know the difference anyway. So uh, hopefully Dr. Sullivan's not here. But there are four groups when it comes to personal evangelism. And um, the Christians here and all Christians uh, pretty much fall into these Four groups, one of these four groups when it comes to sharing their faith with the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want you to listen as I give you the four groups. You can kind of figure out where do you fit and which group are you in. The first group he called storm troopers, storm troopers. Now, you know, the kind of people I'm talking about. Uh, These are those Christians that are ready to charge hell with a water pistol. I mean, they are just on fire. Uh, They're ready at a moment's notice to share the gospel. We have at least one of them in our congregation. I know of we may have more here, but they're stormtroopers. Probably these people have the gift of evangelism and uh, they they just have no fear whatsoever. It doesn't matter who they who they're talking to, where they are. They are just stormtroopers and they're ready with the gospel. That's one group. The second group he called faithful Witnesses. Now, these people are not stormtroopers, but they are faithful to share the gospel when the opportunities arise. And they're faithful to to personally witness to other people. So we have the stormtroopers. We have the faithful witnesses. And the third group he called inviters, inviters. And I understand this is the largest group when you categorize Christians when it comes to personal evangelism. These are the people who primarily invite people to church or to other evangelistic outreaches. And that way, through inviting them there, the gospel will be presented. And those people, we pray, would come to a saving faith 
in the Lord Jesus Christ. So there are the inviters. And then I had to think real hard about the fourth one. I mean, I filled in the blank. I had the two words, but I had to really think about and think back to what he meant by the fourth group whom he called dental patients. Dental patients. And if I remember correctly, these are the folks who know that they're supposed to evangelize. They know they're supposed to share the gospel. They need to share the gospel. They maybe even want to share the gospel, but they're scared to death. Kind of like some people treat the dentist that way, right? They know they need to go to the dentist. They know they ought to go to the dentist. They just, and maybe even they want to go to the dentist, but they're scared to death of the thought of all that stuff and, and everything they do. And, and picking and poking and drilling and smoke. and Anyway, uh, you might have a dental appointment in the morning. I don't want to ruin it for you. But listen, <laughs> dental patients. And so you have these four groups. Now, don't answer out loud, but if you were to put yourself in one of those groups, honestly, today, would you be a stormtrooper? I mean, are you ready? I mean, you're ready. We could parachute you down in the community. You just come out with a gospel gun and just begin firing on people. Or are you a faithful witness as God gives opportunity? You share your faith. Or are you primarily an inviter? And you're ready. I mean, you look forward to Friend Day and Revival at different times. And, and you regularly invite people to Sunday morning worship. And you know that if they come here, that I'm going to give the gospel. And that is my prayer in my heart every time we meet that the gospel goes forth. Or are you a dental patient today? You, you know you ought to evangelize. You know you're supposed to evangelize. But if you're just honest with yourself today, you just plain say, I'm scared to death to share my faith. With somebody else. Well, whether you're a stormtrooper or a dental patient or somewhere in between, I want to help you today. On this very first day of 2012, on this very first Sunday of the new year, I want to talk to you about developing a missions mindset. Developing a missions mindset. Now, by now, you should have Acts chapter 1. We're going to look primarily at one verse today, but I want us to get our bearings in this book. And uh, we're going to begin reading at verse 1 and read down through verse 11. And uh, then we'll pray and we'll look at what God has for us today. Acts chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up. After he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. To whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs. Being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, when he had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. 
And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. And we add this morning, even so come, Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for that promise. And the promises that are here in these verses help us today as we study and talk about evangelism and missions and developing a missions mindset. Work in our hearts and lives, I pray for your glory in Jesus name. Amen. I assume you've gotten your bearings now. Jesus is about to ascend back into heaven. And before he does, he says some parting words here. We would all be wise to listen and to pay attention to his parting words, just as you would be very alert if you had a loved one who was dying to hear what their final words would be. Well, the Lord Jesus gives some words here before he's about to ascend into heaven. Uh, He has already come back from the dead. He's been resurrected. He's shown himself alive. He's taught them. And then we find here in verse number eight. What he says before he ascends into heaven. Now think about all that he could have said. All that he could have spoken. But notice what he did speak in verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, Jesus, beloved, is all about the gospel. In fact, he is the gospel. The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ for our sin. He's all about saving those who are lost. We just came through Christmas, and and we could still enjoy the decorations even today, because we just came out of December. But do you remember what was said in Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11? Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. Listen, Christian, when it comes to getting the gospel of the Lord Jesus out into a lost and dying world, you are personally called Let me say that again. When it comes to getting the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ out to a lost and dying world, you, yes, you, if you're a child of God today, you are personally called. This whole evangelism thing, it's his idea. If you're a born again child of God, you're to be sharing the story that Jesus saves. We think about the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. I love the story of the demon possessed man that Jesus healed over in Mark chapter five. And uh, if you go and you read that story, and we won't take the time to read all of it today, but the man is delivered from the demonic possession. And I'll just read you verses 18 through 20 of Mark 5. It says, and when he got into the boat, that is Jesus, when he got into the boat, he who had been demon possessed begged him that he might be with him. I want to go with you. I want to be where you are. And I want you to hear what Jesus says to this man in Mark chapter 5, 
verses 19 and 20. It says, however, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, now listen, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. Jesus said, listen, I want you to go home and I want you to share the story. I want you to share your testimony. I want you to share what I did for you. Christian, you are called to evangelize. You are called to share the gospel. This is his idea. This is his plan. And I want you to notice the plan here in Acts 1.8. It says you're going to receive power from the Holy Spirit when he's come upon you. And you'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea. And in Samaria and to the end of the earth. And so in other words, they were to begin at home where they were in Jerusalem. And then they were to spread out with the gospel. Now, a lot of what I'm going to talk to you about is contained in this little pamphlet that uh, I gave you today. And I hope you got one. If not, pick up one before you leave. But you can go back and you can review a lot of what we're talking about today. And so that's yours for future reference. Talking about a local church vision for a worldwide mission. The Acts 1-8 challenge. Now, let's think about Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth when it comes to us. We think about Jerusalem. And by the way, you can kind of follow along if you want. You can open that up and uh, you can notice where we're going. Okay, when it talks about Jerusalem there, that's the idea of reaching our community for Christ. Reaching our community for Christ. Judea has the idea for us of reaching our state or our region for Christ. Samaria is the idea of reaching our continent for Christ. And of course, the end of the earth is reaching our world for Christ. Now, I just want to be honest with you. Doesn't that seem a bit overwhelming? Reaching the entire world with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I have a prayer map in my study on the back of the door. And it has a listing of... The different nations and the leaders of the nations and how many profess to be believers. And they mark out the ones that are very highly uh, filled with Muslims that are hostile to the gospel. And I'll just be honest with you. As I look at that map and I think about the command of the Lord, at, at times it is overwhelming to think about reaching the world with the gospel. You know, you probably heard that we recently uh, reached seven billion people in our world. Now, when this publication was was printed, there were only six point eight billion. But now we have seven billion. And at the time of the publication, only two billion claimed to be Christian. So think about that. So let's say five billion people who don't know Jesus Christ. Now, how in the world are we going to reach them with the gospel? Well, before you get discouraged and downpressed and, and you downhearted, I want you to notice some things from our passage here. I want you to notice, first of all, you are not alone. You're not alone. Now, you're personally called. We know that. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me. I want you to notice you are not alone. First of all, we have the Holy Spirit. Now, in our age, in the day we're living, the moment that a person trusts the Lord Jesus Christ, the moment that you place your faith in Christ, you're born again and you're indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. We don't have to wait. It's not a second blessing somewhere down the road. The moment that you receive Christ, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your life. Now, we're to yield to him and be filled with him. 
And there are times we may not be filled. And that's the idea we're not obeying him. But we're always as believers indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. So we're not alone. Jesus said what in the Great Commission? Lo, I'm with you to the end of the age. How? Well, through his indwelling Holy Spirit. And so we have the Holy Spirit of God. We're called to be messengers. We can't save anybody. Listen, if you're out saving people or I'm saving people, they're worse off than before they met us. You know why? Because of a false hope. We can't save anybody. We can't even save ourselves. We're messengers. We're gospel heralds. You're not alone. You have the Holy Spirit. But notice likewise that you shall be witnesses to me. You're not alone. Other Christians are with us. Christians who've gone before us. Christians who are working with us now. Christians who will come behind us. And all of us are working together to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And let's talk about how that goes on here. How does that happen at Red Hill Baptist Church? How do we, how do we reach our Jerusalem, our, our community for Christ? Well, we do that through personal evangelism. As you're out sharing the gospel, as you're out inviting people, as you're out witnessing, as the stormtroopers are parachuting down and shooting off their gospel guns, those things are going on here in our community. But likewise, listen, we're not alone. There are other churches and other people in our area who know Jesus Christ. And guess what? They're out sharing the gospel or should be. In our own Baptist Association, we have 29 churches. We have 28 other churches in our county alone that are preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not alone, but we're to play our part. Okay, so that's how we reach our community. Personal evangelism, outreaches, brotherhood, reaching out with the gospel and and, and personal service, women on mission. All these different things we're doing to reach our community for Christ. Our Addison Baptist Association. Well, how do we reach our state? We're reaching a part of our state, aren't we? We're still part of the North Carolina state, aren't we? But listen, we're a part of the Baptist State Convention of North Carolina. And so now you have all these churches now across our state working together and we're joining hands and joining forces for the same cause to get the gospel. Well, then how do we reach our continent? Well, I got great news for you through our North American Mission Board. You give every time you give. In the offering plate here, an undesignated gift, you're supporting these things. And so any Armstrong offering, that's reaching North America with the gospel. We're empowering, we're enabling, we're helping to reach our continent for Christ. And then that big one, the end of the earth, our world. We're a part of the international, we, are, we, we support the International Mission Board. We have missionaries in various places and they're preaching the gospel. We just came through Lottie Moon and praise God. I hope you saw it in the bulletin. I'll emphasize it again at the end of the service. Praise God. The greatest Lottie Moon offering we've ever given at Red Hill Baptist Church. To God be the glory. But see, those monies are taken and they're given to missionaries to reach the world of the gospel. Now, we're not alone this morning. We've got the Holy Spirit of God indwelling us, empowering us, doing the work through us and in us. We have our brothers and sisters in Christ. All those who know Jesus, whether they're Baptist or not, if they know the Lord Jesus and they're sharing their faith, we're all working together to reach the gospel. Now, 
By the way, I'd be remiss this morning. I would be remiss this morning if I didn't extend the gospel to those who are here. You know, I realize that we're here at church and I realize that people have been here for a long time and maybe somebody has come in for the very first time or maybe you've been here for 50 years. But I wonder, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that do have good, no, not one. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Perhaps you need to come in saving faith today. And so, friend, I pray you will. I pray that you'll turn from your sin to Christ. We, we can't save ourselves. The Bible says our, our righteousness is as filthy rags. But his righteousness is perfect. If you've never been saved, I invite you today to come and trust the Lord Jesus Christ. Christian, you're personally called to this mission. But take heart, you're not alone. But there's something else I want to show you, and that's this. You can obey starting today. You can obey starting today. You see, this is not an optional thing in the Christian life. By the way, the Christian life is not like a buffet. Now, you were in Sunday school today, and if you were, you got perfect attendance for that, too. And I hope you'll keep that up. But listen, if you were in Sunday school today, we were challenged about buffets, weren't we? We were challenged about taking care of our bodies and living a healthy life. A great, great lesson. Listen, the Christian life is not a buffet. A lot of people treat it that way. They treat God's word that way. You know how you do at a buffet, don't you? You take your plate. And you go and you begin to size up what you like and what you don't like. So oh, I love that. Oh, that doesn't look very good. I don't know what that is. And you, 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 you skip over. So listen, Christian life's not like that. You can't say, oh, I love the fellowship at church. Oh, I, I love the worship at church. Oh, oh I love the, the evangelist. Oh, that doesn't look very good. I'm going to pass that over. Listen, you are personally called. It's not a matter of, of whether or not it's an option. It is not an option. It's a command. And to ignore the command is disobedience. So you can obey starting today. Now, I pray you're already obeying. And I pray that you're already on mission. And if you are, I hope that you'll be challenged through this message to broaden your missions. But if you're not... I hope that you'll begin obeying today. Now, how can we develop a missionary mindset? There's a lot of good stuff in that pamphlet, and I'll invite you to read it later. But let me give you five things this morning that we can do to develop a missions mindset. Because I think that's the problem. We haven't got a missions mindset. We think missions, that's something we do on Sunday morning. That's something we do one week out of the summer, maybe. Uh, that's something we do at Vacation Bible School. That's something those missionaries do over in the Congo and Africa. And yes, all that is missions. But listen, we're to be on mission every day. As you are going, make disciples. So I want to give you five things today that you can begin doing, if you haven't already, to develop a missions mindset. Number one, learn. Learn about missions. You say, what do you mean, preacher? Well, I mean, learn about missions. We give you a lot of information. You get bulleted inserts about missions. We, we, we show you mission videos. We talk to you about missions. We, you get open windows. 
And then there are missionary stories. And sometimes in Sunday school uh, curriculums, missionary. Learn about them. Stop for a moment and learn about missions and people groups and, and countries. But, but see, you don't just stop at learning. What you do is you take that learning and you turn it into prayer. That's the second thing. Pray. As we learn about missions, we talked about that one church planter today. And I gave you that not just so you say, well, that's neat. I said, let's pray for this church planner today. Let's have a part in his ministry beyond just giving. Let's pray for him. So we learn about missions, then we pray. By the way, if you haven't gotten your new devotionals back there, the winter devotionals, there's some back there, there's some downstairs. In the middle of that thing is a prayer guide. You can pray for missionaries. Now, some of them only have initials in there. You know why that is? Because they're in such dangerous places. If their identity were known, it could mean harm to them or even death to them. So what we do is we learn about missions, we learn about countries, we learn about all these things. But we don't stop at learning. We begin to pray. And as you pray, you have a part in missions. Do you realize you can touch the world from where you sit right now? You can pray for Africa. You can pray for China. You can pray for those suffering believers in the Sudan. You can pray for all these people right from the comfort of your own seat. Learn, pray. Third, give. You say, oh boy, here we go. Yeah, we're going to go there. And I don't apologize because, listen, we're spreading the gospel every time we give here. It starts here and it spreads to the end of the earth. You know, you're getting your uh, financial statements today. You may have already gotten yours or perhaps you haven't gotten it yet. You will get it. So take a moment and look at that. Think about what you're investing in the kingdom of God. What you're investing. Give. Feel confident in giving here knowing that we're touching the world with the gospel. Number four, go. Go. Now listen, you're going here, I hope. You're going. It starts at home, right? When you walk out those doors back there, you just stepped on your mission field. We can also go, though, as opportunities arise on short term mission trips with the West Virginia last year. And, and, and as those opportunities arise, why don't you pray and say, you say, oh, I could never do that. Yeah, you can. Why don't you pray and say, God, would you have me go? Do you want me to go with the gospel to this particular place? So we're learning, we're praying, we're giving, we're going. And then number five, and I've kind of covered this, and that is tell. Remember to start where you are. That, that waitress, that waiter today needs Jesus. Uh, that lady that's checking you out at Food Lion today, she may not know Jesus Christ. Uh, the fella that you bump into at the store, the... Your neighbor, they need Jesus. We sang today, people need the Lord. When will we realize that people need the Lord? I don't think we really believe that sometimes. We say we do and we sing it. And, oh, amen. But we don't live it. We're to tell. We're to have a missions mindset. Not just the compartmentalization where, okay, this is my missions time. I do that at missions on Wednesday night and I do that on Sundays. But no, listen, we're on mission 24-7. A mindset. Now, can I just be real blunt with you? Nobody said no, so I'm going to. Listen, you know what developing a missionary mindset's all about? Real plain and simple. It's loving Jesus and loving others. It's loving Jesus and loving others. You see, if we really love Jesus, 
And I believe we grow in our love. If we really love Jesus, we're going to love what Jesus loves. Do you know some of the things Jesus loves? He loves his bride, the church. I hope you love the bride of Christ. I have a hard time with people who, oh, I love Jesus, but I can't stand church. Listen, that's his bride. Now, I know there's some difficult churches. And maybe you need to find a new church, if that be the case, if, if that's the situation. But we don't we don't despise the bride of Christ. We, we love what he loves. But you know what? Jesus loves his church, the bride, but he also loves the lost. In fact, he loved them so much, he said, you know what? I'm going to voluntarily, nobody making me, I'm going to voluntarily submit myself to cruel, suffering, torture. I'm going to let them nail me to a cross. I'm going to let them raise me between earth and heaven. I'm going to let them kill me. Because I love people that much. You see, if you love Jesus... You have to love the lost. You have to love people. Lost and saved. You love people. Now listen. You may never be a stormtrooper. In fact, you know what? I'm not a stormtrooper. But listen. You cannot remain a dental patient. You've got to obey the Great Commission to go with the gospel. So here's my question to you on this first Sunday, first day of the new year. What will you do starting today to develop a missions mindset? What will you do? Now, this this is all this is good for brother so and so. Oh, I hope sister so. Now, listen, what will you do? You, Christian, I'm talking to you. What will you do? You say, oh, I don't do missions. Then you're disobedient. You're disobeying. What will you do starting today? Not next week. Not three months from now. Not saying, I mean, I think 2013 would be a great time to do it. No. What will you do starting today to develop a missionary mindset? You're personally called. Praise God, you're not alone. You have the Holy Spirit. You have other brothers and sisters in Christ. And you can obey starting today. Will you? Will you learn and pray and give and go and tell? He wants us to reach our world with the gospel. And you have a part to play in that plan. Father, it is with a grateful heart. That we bow today. We thank you for these parting words from the Lord Jesus. We know that the gospel and reaching the lost is his heartbeat. It's why he came. It's why he died. It's why he arose again. That we might be saved. Help us to grow in our love for Jesus. As we grow in that love, we know that we'll grow in our love for the lost. And we'll seek to reach them at any cost. Father, I don't know. There may be one or two or many today in this service that do not know Jesus Christ. I pray right now your Holy Spirit would convict them. Show them their need of Christ and bring them to saving faith.
I pray for believers today who are really resisting this message. And rationalizing and saying, no, that's not for me. God, I pray through your Holy Spirit that you would break through those hardened areas in their heart. And show them that, yes, this is your calling upon their life. Help us to have a missions mindset. Father, it is so easy to just get caught up in our own little world that we lose sight of the great mission before us. And Father, I want to praise you today and thank you for allowing us to have a part in this mission. Help us remember this is a privilege. We're not worthy of it. But you and your grace and mercy have enlisted us, have adopted us, have called us to go and make disciples of the nations. Touch the world from Red Hill Baptist Church, God. Help us to have a heart that beats the gospel. May we shine brightly that gospel beam to the ends of the earth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our closing hymn is 559, Rescue the Perishing, Care for the Dying. Snatch them in pity as they head for the grave. What is Jesus Spoke to you about today. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? Do you need to be saved today? If so, as you step out as we sing, I'll meet you down here and put you with someone who loves Jesus and will take a Bible and lead you to Jesus. Maybe today you need to come and make a fresh commitment to the Lord and surrender and say, Father, create in me a missions mindset. Use my life for the gospel. I can't think of a much better way to start 2012. Can you? Then to start on mission. So as we sing 559, the altar is open. The invitation is clear, I hope. You come and pray as we sing 559, Rescue the Perishing.